Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Steve Miller. You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. All right, all right, all right. This is Jeff DeWolf back with you again for another episode of Braving Bad Bosses. And just as a reminder, my partner in crime, Todd Chandler, is taking a little bit of time off to pursue his uh, his crazy trail running uh, hobby, obsession. I'm not really sure how to describe it. Um, how would you describe a person who, for fun, goes out in the rain and sleet and runs 100 miles over the course of two days in the in the trails? Todd is out uh, preparing to do a, I think, a 200-mile. I think I said 300 miles uh, earlier, but uh, he's corrected me. It's actually a 200-mile, which, you know, if you think about it, probably isn't a big deal then if it's only 200. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. Um, As you know, this season we're kind of going through um, looking at not necessarily bad boss behaviors, but kind of flipping the tables and how we can break the cycle of bad bosses uh, by becoming the kind of boss that people want to follow ourselves, and uh, maybe by doing so even, having an influence on those above us as they see the behaviors that we're putting into place in our own our own leadership lives. So to do that, to act as a guide, we're using the chapters of my book, uh, Leader's Lead. Leader's Lead kind of comes from the real-life leadership program that we've been executing over the last few few years, training leaders at really all levels um, on just what the key things are that people should be doing on a daily, weekly basis to demonstrate they're leading, you know, the, focusing on the things people really need. And one of the things that we talk about in that program is this incredible need to take ownership of, of available time. And, uh, you know, we all, whether we manage people or not, have challenges with getting everything done that we have to get done, right? But uh, we're fond of saying that when you lead people, you need to do things, (laughs) you know, not to sound too simple, but in the role of leader, manager, supervisor, whatever you really want to call it, when other people report to, to us, we not only have to get stuff done that our boss expects us to get done in our jobs, um, the functional stuff that we do every day, but there's also a set of leadership tasks, things we do and those things take time. And what we have found over the years is that when we allow our days to be completely chaotic, filled with meetings, filled with things that are pulling us away from maybe the core reason that we, uh, that we work, the core function that we have, the thing that usually gets pushed to the side, the stuff that usually gets procrastinated on are those things, unfortunately, of leadership, those tasks that... You know, our boss may not even be pushing us to deliver, but are equally important. So um, we stress this idea, we have to own time, we have to take ownership of it, we have to guard it like it's an extremely valuable resource. So to illustrate this, imagine just for a second that uh, someone deposited $86,400 into your checking account every single day. Let's just say that showed up in your checking account and Um, There were no strings attached. The only thing you needed to to worry about was how to spend it, how to invest it or give it away. Because if you didn't do that, at the end of the day, somebody would go back into the account and remove whatever you didn't spend or invest or give away. Wouldn't you be careful every single day to do something with that? Obviously you would, right? I mean, 
you would you would at least invest it. You'd at least withdraw it. You'd do something with it. You wouldn't just let it expire and just disappear, right? It's probably too important. Well, I mean, why do I bring that up? It's Maybe you figured it out by now. But every single one of us has 86,400 seconds given to us every single day that we can, we can spend, we can invest, we can give away, we can donate, etc. Um, and the, at, when the clock strikes midnight that following night, it's gone. It disappears. We can't get it back. Time is our most valuable resource. It is the most valuable non-renewable resource anywhere, obviously. And it affects all of us, whether you're a billionaire or you're not a billionaire. We have the same, we have the same amount of time. And so with that being a finite resource, we have to take ownership of it. And there are three things I really want to just mention um, before we move on to some, some real leadership behaviors and tasks in the coming episodes. The three things about time I want to mention are focus, prioritization, and just taking advantage of the available time we have by, by doing something about the meetings that can run our lives. And meetings, I think, are the lowest hanging fruit for finding more hours in the day, finding more hours in the week to, to manage our people, to give them what they need. So let's start a little bit with focus. What do I mean by focus? There's a, there's a story that uh, is told, I think it was in, a, in an HBO documentary, that had uh, that described Warren Buffett and Bill Gates attending an event together of some sort. And the host of the event had asked all of the illustrious people in the room to write down one thing that they felt was, you know, contributed most to their success. And uh, as the story goes, Bill Gates... And, and Warren Buffett both independently wrote down the very same word. They wrote down the word focus. And uh, that, that just that spoke to me a little bit. You know, not that I'm a billionaire fanboy, but when people like that achieve that level of success and they attribute, at least to some extent, that success to something called focus, I'm going to pay attention. And, um, you know, there's a lot of research out there that shows that focus is important. We, we see a lot of articles about that. And I just want to encourage, I guess, listeners to take seriously the need to focus. And, and let's, you know, use the word focus to mean eliminate distractions. So let's just start with that. So how do we eliminate distractions so that we can be present, on, you know, and work, and work on the thing we're working on without being pulled in multiple directions? You know, there's a lot of research that shows that multitasking is actually not a good thing. You get less done when you're spinning plates and you're being pulled in multiple directions. You're trying to write an email, but you get a text message. So you stop and you answer the text message. You go back to writing the email after you kind of ramp back up, right? It's like you can't just pick up where you left off. you got to think, okay, where was I? And all of that wasted time of starting, stopping, back and forth, back and forth um, is just not productive. So I'm not going to try to convince you now that focus is important, but focus is important, okay? We, we need to do it. We need to find a way to focus on things, minimizing distractions. And so there are a lot of distractions, I think, that we can minimize. Some things we can't. If you're in a job where you have operational situations and, and customer demands and other things like that, people coming to you needing answers right away, sometimes it's difficult to manage those distractions, and that's part of our job. But But there are ways that we can kind of reduce the, the number of distractions or find ways to focus. And, there, and one technique that I like is called the Pomodoro technique. If you haven't experienced the Pomodoro technique, go ahead and Google it and, and you'll see some, some details on it. But it's, essentially it's, it's, a, it's a series of focused times where you don't respond to text messages or emails or answer phones or, or have, have meetings 
with people, um, and it's just heads down, focused for like 25 minutes, followed by a five-minute break where you can stretch, you can go get a drink of water, you can, you can answer a text message, all of that kind of stuff. So focus is really important. That's a great technique to use. Um, go go and, and research that. There's an app you can get on your phone that kind of emulates the, the original Pomodoro uh, study with the ticking and the bell ringing using a, t- a tomato-shaped kitchen timer. Um, it's a great tool for focus. I encourage you to kind of go take a look at that. Now, this, the second thing I want to mention is this idea of prioritization. And prioritization, again, just to be really brief, is just this idea that we have a lot of competing demands. And prioritization just, just says, you know, i got to think about what are, the, what are the most important things that I'm going to focus on. And uh, there's an interesting way of looking at that. Some people have described this concept of the good being the enemy of the great. And uh, that's a, it's a quote from Jim Collins, I think, from his book, Good to Great. But the good can be the enemy of the great, which basically sort of means that I've got, if I, if I have a lot of really, really good things that I'm working on, um, the most important or the great things can suffer. Those good things actually take me away from the great things, the, the, the important things to actually distract me from the really important things or the critical things. And it's a very powerful wake-up call when you realize that all of these other priorities that you're, you're trying to balance are actually distracting us from the key priorities we should be having. And so um, it's, a very, it's, a, it's an interesting concept, but um, you know, it's, it's an important thing to consider. What am I doing that on its, on its surface seems to be a good, valuable thing that's actually pulling me away from the most important things? And uh, I can't remember where I heard. I heard a story of a, of a woman who comes into work and you know, she makes her to-do list. And um, that's probably something we can, we can all relate to, especially when we're overwhelmed. We got, okay, got a lot going on. I got to get organized here, make a to-do list. The thing that caught my eye, though, was that she also then wrote down a to-don't list. She, she created a to-don't list of things that um, she wanted to remember not to get distracted doing, not to get pulled into, because she knew that she won't do her to-do list if she gets pulled into these things on the to-don't list. So try a to-don't list for a couple of days and see what you think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a point of doing that here, I think, this week because um, I have a feeling that that's going to reveal some things to me. All right, so really the third thing I'm just going to mention really briefly in, is meetings. Um, we all hate meetings. Most of us hate meetings, but most of us don't really hate the meeting. We hate how ineffective they are or maybe even you know how many we have. That's really more of the issue. And so we have to, if we want to lead people, we have to make sure that our days don't get filled with seven and a half or, seven and a half or eight hours worth of meetings every single day, uh, many of which we didn't ask for. Um, they aren't our meetings. We get pulled into them. We get invited to them. That um, We end up showing up. That We don't even need to really be there. All of those kinds of things um, go into meetings. And so there are lots of things we can do to make sure at least the meetings we run are very effective. And so... I don't have time to go into all of the all the techniques for meetings. Use Google as your as your personal assistant. Go find techniques to make meetings more effective, and I think you'll find you might even come up with several hours a week that you get back by you know saying no to meeting invitations, for instance. When I was working in corporate America, I mean the meetings just came; they, it was relentless. Like I literally could double book myself almost every day with meetings, and I remember getting to the point where I thought. This is ridiculous. I, this is another recurring meeting that when I go to it, I don't really need to be there. But I don't want to be disrespectful and just not show up. And so I started to do something like I'd get a meeting request. It's for an hour and a half, you know, that I don't have. 
And I would send a note back and say, um, you know, if they weren't clear about the topic, I would ask for a really clear purpose. What, what exactly are we trying to accomplish with this, this meeting? When I got a response back saying this is what we're trying to accomplish in the meeting, if I didn't really need to be there because I literally have five minutes worth of input that I know about the subject or, or it doesn't really relate to me, maybe I write that into an email and say, you know what, here's the deal. Here's what I know about this. Um, this is my input to it. If you need something beyond that, um, let me know and I can provide it. But uh, oftentimes just providing that input into the meeting allows you to skip the meeting and not be there, especially if you're just going to be sitting in the back of the room, maybe doing email or trying to be available in case something comes up. So in short, really take advantage of getting rid of meetings if you can. You know, say no. Ask your boss for support if you're, if you're being pulled into ineffective meetings. Um, but most importantly, maybe take ownership of the meeting. It, you know, just because it's not your meeting doesn't mean you can't help make it more effective. Contact the person who's coordinating the meeting and, and ask for clarity about what the meeting's about if they haven't provided it. When you show up to the meeting, inform the, the meeting host that, um, you know, you have a hard stop right at the end of the meeting. So you're not trying to be rude, but if, you know, the meeting's supposed to go to 3 o'clock and 3 o'clock happens, just let them know I'm going to be getting up and, and leaving at 3 o'clock. Love the idea of a hard stop. You know, because that, that hard stop really communicates that whatever, what I have something, I have something very important. Not that your meeting isn't important, but I have something very important, equally important that I need to, I need to get to. I can't be late to. Uh, people can relate to that. They can understand that. But here's a dirty little secret. You don't have to tell them what your hard stop is about. So if you have a really important task of management or anything else that you want to make sure you do today and you, you got it blocked at three o'clock because that's a that's a gap in your schedule. It's one of the only gaps you've got. That three o'clock appointment with yourself is just as important as anybody else's meeting, right? So you're in a meeting, you walk in, you know, it's two o'clock, the meeting's supposed to get over three o'clock. You say, Joe, uh, hey, just FYI, you know, in case you, in case you run late, I got a hard stop at three o'clock. I got I to gotta bail out. Three o'clock comes, pick up your stuff, slide out of the room. Go keep the appointment with yourself. It's equally equally important. Oh, okay. Well, that's Hell's Bells. It's good timing. I feel like I've kind of hit the highlights of those three things. Um, what I'd like to do maybe going forward is, is just, just kind of take advantage of a, sum, a time to summarize what I said. And so maybe to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a page right out of the book, Leaders Lead, and summarize with three points, five questions, and one action. All right. So, so on this concept of owning time, I guess the, the three points that I would, I would leave you with are these. Number one, it takes real time to do the tasks of leadership, okay? It's a limited, non-renewable resource, and it has to be guarded. That's number one. Number two, we make the most of our time by focusing on the most important things and reducing distractions when we do them. That kind of encompasses focus with prioritization as a really key thing we can do. And number three, we can instantly multiply our available time to lead our people by protecting ourselves from meaningless or ineffective meetings. Take charge of our own meetings, influence those who pull us into meetings, but do something about meetings for goodness sake. All right, five quick questions that you can ask yourself. Am I letting the tyranny of the urgent distract me from my most important duties? Do I carve out a little time each day to focus, to reflect, and to concentrate without interruption? Are the meetings I lead organized, efficient, and resulting in clear action items? That's a tough one because it's easy sometimes just to show up to your own meeting unprepared, hoping someone else kind of rescues you. Also, do I treat every hour like the precious non-renewable -renew resource that it is? 
that's a wake-up call. Go back over your schedule, you know, reflect on that. What time have I wasted? Would there be some, is there something I should have done with that time rather than things I did do? And I guess finally, number five, ask yourself, am I prioritizing the tasks and to-dos that my people need from me as their leader? That's a wake-up call as well. All right, so one action to take. I encourage you to just try this one thing. Look at your calendar, look at it today, and choose at least one recurring meeting that you may be able to eliminate from your schedule. Is there one recurring meeting that you can delegate to somebody else, that you can explain to the host that you're not needed, that you can send something in advance to provide your input rather than take up a full hour? Think about those things. Think about one recurring meeting that you might be able to get rid of and then do it. All right, with that, I want to wrap up by saying that you can break the bad boss cycle if you adopt a mindset and skill set of real-life leadership. So join us next time as we look at the importance of understanding our people as individuals so we can adjust our leadership style to meet them where they are. We'll talk about the uniqueness of each person on the team by assessing their core personality type and their readiness level to take on what we need them to do. That combination makes each person pretty unique and each situation a little bit different. So until next time, remember, lead is an action group. Are you really leading? Thank you.